really good to be with you all tonight. Um, Jesus is on a throne. Do you know that? He is, I have to move this. I'm what you might call particular about symmetry. There we go. I think I'm, I think we're centered. Oh, awesome. Yeah, uh, the Lord was just talking to me during worship about um, how he has disarmed principalities. He has triumphed over darkness. He has gone uh, in our place to the lower regions and brought back the keys of death and Hades. He has fully vanquished the enemy. Fully. In fact, it's it's... I really love this verse in, out, of, out of Colossians. Having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and stood opposed to us, he took it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. And what's implied here is that he stripped those powers He stripped those enemies of their powers and their authority. And just like a king that has conquered a foreign nation will parade the warriors that have been captive, he actually paraded our enemies through the heaven butt naked, made a public spectacle of them, letting all of the heavens know that Jesus has triumphed over all of our enemies. Isn't this great news? (laughs) And, And every... Silly little spirit of confusion or fear or distraction that has possibly tried to influence our lives and maybe even has been influencing our lives up to this moment. We take authority over it in Jesus' name. And we remind you of the blood of Jesus. Well, now I can preach. (laughs) awesome hey uh i want to play a a video you guys all keyed up for that video let's do it it's still bright up here i encountered jesus in a way that i've never encountered him before i fell in love with jesus just do it he just wanted me to be myself he just rocked my world Totally, just go for it. Just do it. You'll never regret it. I didn't know how much the Lord loved me until I came to EJS. They really create an atmosphere of freedom for you to really experience God on a whole new level. EJS is is just different because we're able to walk and do life with the students. We're not trying to give people encounters with a bunch of information. Every person on the team was on a personal mission to get everyone free. I thought, there's no way, like, I'm going to learn anything new. But every class, I've learned something new. I just loved the interaction that we had with people and also my fellow classmates and students. I came here, I had no money, I had no housing, I had nothing, and I did it. And it's the best decision I've made in the past six months. There are those moments when you encounter Jesus and you know that something has changed and you can't go back and you can look at those moments like mile markers in your life. I would just encourage you to get out of the boat and to walk on the water. 
Encounter Jesus School is an amazing way to grow in your friendship with Jesus. We worship together, we pray together, we have a blast together. There's revelatory and biblical teaching. We've had hundreds of students go through this program and they've not regretted it. They've been so grateful that they took the risk and joined us. So join us. Hashtag do it. <clears throat> I just love all the faces in that video. Those are graduates of, of EJS. And, um, and we just, we really become a family during that, during that semester. And it's so fun. It's my favorite thing in the world is to see people realize that Jesus is kinder than they gave him credit for. That they're that he's more merciful than they had imagined and that he's going to be good to them all their days. That he is, he is the above and beyond all that we can ask or imagine kind of father. And um, we've got a new semester coming up. It's February 2nd, 2-2, prophetic numbers right there. 2-2 to uh, 417. So it's about 10 weeks. It's $900 and um, it's really, really awesome. I want you guys to understand my heart. I'm terrible at promoting myself because I'm still getting free of like uh, false humility. But um, this school is awesome. We've had, we've had people come to our school from, I'm not going to name other big name schools that are really anointed and really awesome schools. And they come through our program because, you know, the Lord called them to it or they just really wanted to do it. And they'll say things like, this is better than anything I've ever done. And um, the reason I can say that is because um, we simply make room for the Holy Spirit to do what he loves to do. I'm not setting people free. I'm just creating a place. Vincent and I and, and Tracy, we're creating a place where, where people can get set free by the Holy Spirit. And it's a blast. We have so much fun. So um, if you're feeling a little tugging on your heart, um, please go online to our website. The uh, application is all online. It's all digital. We're not killing any trees. And it's actually really fun to fill out that application. We've got like five or six people that have applied already, and we're still two months away. So we're going to have a pretty good size class. This is going to be a really great one to join. All right. 11 days ago, I started a, what I was hoping would be a series on leadership and uh, I didn't continue this past Sunday because I felt like the Lord wanted me to give a brief teaching on prophetic words of knowledge and then actually give some words of knowledge. And Vince and I gave many words, uh, but not many of them were actually filled with knowledge. Um, <laughs> we were prophet trying, not prophesying, but at least we weren't prophesying. Um, seriously, if you want to see two pastors just swinging for the fences and completely missing every pitch, you should go and download that video on our YouTube channel right now, Storehouse Dallas on YouTube. Go check it out. It's very humbling. We're not posting it. Oh, man. <laughs> now, see, now we have to. 
I would have been fine not posting it. It's actually pretty embarrassing. But I really love, <laughs> I really love doing stuff like that. It's great when you just when you nail the words of knowledge and, and people are like, whoa, that's awesome. Jesus knows me. But sometimes it's actually more encouraging to see the pastor completely bomb it because you're like, I I could try that. You know? He stood back up and went for another one. <laughs> Okay, so uh, I'm going to continue talking about leadership tonight. Um, Something that I have been on a quest um, for onboard thesaurus. Come. Okay. Something that I've been like striving for is to figure out really where I'm, where I'm gifted in life and like what my natural and supernatural proclivities and, um, and tendencies and just things that I'm especially good at because I've been designed that way by God. It's kind of like your, your gift makeup. And, and you can read about these gifts in uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. It talks about apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. But you can also read even more precise or more uh, descriptive gift titles in uh, Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12. There's a whole bunch of them. I think I've got them here. Yeah, administration, uh, pioneering or apostling. I like calling it pioneering. Uh, building. Communication, discernment, encouraging or exhorting, evangelism, faith, giving, healing, hospitality, intercession, interpretation of tongues or dreams. It actually doesn't mention interpretation of dreams in the New Testament, but we know that that is a gift because if you read the book of Daniel, dang, it is a gift. Um, Gift of leadership, mercy, miracles, pastoring, prophecy, teaching, tongues, serving, words of knowledge, words of wisdom. And so um, the reason why I want to know what I'm gifted at is because I don't want to waste a whole bunch of time going after things that I'm not gifted at. Um, We have this inordinate quest for balance or like to become well-rounded in, in our culture. And it actually seems really admirable, um, but history is full of leaders who had more focus than they had balance. See, the organization itself, if, whether you are a, a boss or a manager or whatever, if, even if you're working your way up to some kind of position that you're aspiring to, you can be an agent of change. See, the organization itself can be well-rounded because it's made up of people with many different gifts. He, he actually dispersed gifts all over us. And so... Um, there, I mean, Vince is really like gifted at administration and planning and thinking things through really well. That's out of my wheelhouse. Do you guys know what wheelhouse is? It's that spot where the baseball pitch comes right in, your sweet spot. That's the wheelhouse. Admin is not in my wheelhouse. Uh, but things that are usually in my wheelhouse, hopefully they are tonight, are things like communication and uh, pioneering, uh, you know, maybe even casting vision. Things like that. And so, um, as a leader, you guys are leaders. The moment you came to Christ, you became a creation, a new creation. Something that the world hadn't seen before you believed in Jesus and became that creation. You are actually of an order 
that is so far above everything else on earth that you are, ne- like, you are nearly called lords. You actually are called lords. He's the lord of lords. He is the king of, that's you. Okay? So you are leaders bringing about the kingdom of heaven and the king's purposes on earth. It actually says this really cool verse in Revelation where it says, the kingdoms of, of earth have become the kingdoms of our God. Do you know how? You. You're going to lead the way to taking over these mountains, these pinnacles, and these high places. You're going to get, you're going to get your way into that, posi- into that position because the Lord promotes you. It actually says that a man's gift brings him before kings. So that's you. Men and women who are gifted of God, he is going to show his favor on you. You're going to shine and you're going to be brought before kings. And we know from scripture that when a saint is brought before the king, usually that king gives them half the kingdom. That's pretty cool. So um, this quest for balance and being well-rounded, listen, I, like, I don't want to get on a rant about the public school system, but let me just say, I wasted so many hours learning things I will never, ever, 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 ever use. Ever, okay? But but that very subject that I will never, ever, 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 ever use, someone else in my class, that is what they're passionate about and gifted at, and that's what they're gonna get launched into. And so as a good leader, this is what we get to do. We get to recognize people's giftings and point them in that direction and say, why are you bothering with all this stuff that you're never, ever going to prosper in when you are so gifted in this area? And then we delegate. You get in your zone and you stay there until the Lord tells you to move. Another thing that uh, keeps us from getting to the point where we're actually positioned in a place where we're operating in our calling and in our giftings is our failure to distinguish between authority and competence. In other words, um, I'm going to use John as an example. Take no offense at this, John. John, as a pastor of the house, has authority over that sound booth, but should he run the sound booth? Yes! <laughs> <laughs> See, that, that's the difference between authority and competence. See, Mason is a great sound guy. He's not in charge of the church, but he's very competent in that place. And he relates to John and Tracy and me very well as someone who serves the house because he wants what we all want, which is to create revival in this place. And Mason is so stinking important back there, you know, tweaking the, the levels and sounds and, and EQ and everything so that we can like really have a good time worshiping Jesus, right? So uh, failure to distinguish between authority and competence. Let's stop doing that. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm in charge of things around here that I have no competence in. That's why I just delegate to someone who is smart in that area. All right. Something else uh, that keeps us from operating or just pursuing this place where we're actually operating in our gifts um, is an unwillingness or a failure to develop other leaders. This sounds weird, but Vince and I, we're always looking for our replacement. Including today, we were actually just talking about it, going through lists of people thinking, who can we start to train to, to start to lead and, and to do the things that, that we do. Um, 
because it's actually easier to have this mentality, well, if, I, if something needs to get done right, well, I'm just going to do it myself. But what we actually really need to do, which will enrich us in every way, is to train other people to do these things that are slightly outside of our competencies so that they have a place where they can flourish in their gifting. Do you know that um, people like <clears throat> James and John and Peter, that when the, when the church was growing like crazy in the book of Acts, um, they were waiting tables. Like they, they, were, they were like dispersing food to the people who had need, to the widows and the poor, and they were, they were like setting the table for the Lord's Supper. They were doing all these things and serving. And eventually, like they just had to get together and, and talk about the situation that they were in because it came to a point of conflict because they were neglecting the ministry of the word in order to serve tables. Now, um, there's absolutely nothing wrong with serving tables, but they were given the charge of like the word of God, the apostles' teaching to spread what they have known and what they have seen and heard from Jesus. So, So waiting tables, even though it's very honorable, it came to a point where it was actually fighting with what they were really made to do. And so uh, they did not ask for volunteers. They chose seven men. You know what the results were? You can read it in scripture. It immediately says the word of the Lord spread, the number of disciples grew, and key influencers in the city were converted. And we all know uh, one, one of those people that were prom- was promoted was a guy named Stephen and a- another guy named Philip who have become heroes of our faith. They've had whole chapters written about them. Isn't that awesome? About how they started uh, revivals and moved in crazy miracles. They were waiters chosen by, by the, the apostles. Um, when I was... Growing up, I, I played soccer just about every year of my life. Well, every year of my life since, like, kindergarten. I love that, that sport. And we had um, this goalie named Josh, and he had so much heart. He, at practice, he was the guy that was trying the hardest, and the coaches loved him because he just set this example of, you know, giving 110%. And um, we, he really wanted to be the goalie, and so we made him the goalie. The problem was... He was, he was really heavy set. He was short, and, his, and if he jumped his very hardest, he could just barely touch his fingertip to the crossbar. <laughs> you can, and that's a bad situation if that's your goalie, right? Because all the opposing team has to do is pop it up over his head a little ways, and he's like, ah! and it's. <laughs> But he had, he had so much heart. He would, he would play the game so, uh, so well. Um, but eventually there, there came this day where like his heart didn't make up for the fact that he wasn't naturally gifted for this position. And into our town moved this guy named Chris. And Chris was really tall and really skilled. Um, and he, he, was, he was like Josh um, in, in his heart. And so um, as much as it pained us, we had to move Josh from his 
beloved position of goalie to defensive men, and we put Chris in goalie, and you know what happened? We started winning a lot more games. Um, and Josh, uh, he flourished as a, as a defensive man. He never became one of our like absolute best players, but he was just he was so honored and and he was above average. You know, he 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 did his part. So um, this is Ephesians four eleven. Christ Himself gave us the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for the works of service so that the body may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Those are five, those are five different kind of personalities and gift makeups listed out there. Um, so what would happen uh, along those same lines, uh, you know, if we're thinking about like Josh and Goalie when he's just not naturally gifted there, what, what would happen if um, the pastor of our church was not a pastor, but he was an evangelist? <laughs> it would, be, I mean, there would be some probably fiery messages. <laughs> but he like, he, people would probably be continually uh, feeling like they might be getting assaulted by truth or like the gospel just like over and over and over and over again. And maybe people would just stay at that level where they were just saved and, you know, and, and maybe not necessarily maturing into the deeper things of Christ because this evangelist doesn't, he's not a teacher and he's not a pastor. And so like, wouldn't that be dysfunctional? Wouldn't it be great if, like, someone just said, hey, um, this guy named uh, Johnny that I know, he's super pastoral. Why don't we put him in a position where he's pastoring the people? In fact, he's got a teaching gift, too. And so he can, he can communicate the heart of Christ, and let's give him a shot. And the evangelist is like, that sounds great, because this is wearing me out. Like, what I'd really love to do is go down to Harry Hines Boulevard and pull, like, really messed up people into our church so that the pastor can love them and build them up, right? That's why we want to recognize how we've been made and have uh, discernment. You know, uh, discernment has been this gift uh, in the charismatic church that sometimes gets relegated to ghost-busting, like demon hunters, right? But discernment and what, what it's actually made for is, is the discernment of spirits. But do you know how your discernment grows? It says so in Ephesians, as your, um, as your love grows, so your discernment grows. And we're actually made to not just discern like wonky things that are going on in the atmosphere, but it actually talks more about holding on to the good. And so we're recognizing people's mantles, callings, anointings, whatever you want to call those spiritual uh, enablements. All right. I'm beating that dead horse. (laughs) Here's the difference uh, between leadership in the world and leadership in the church. One of the big differences. And the CEO of a company is usually... uh, you know, the shot caller and he's, the CEO is being 
served and lifted up by everyone under him. Like his, his purposes are being served and, and everyone, like he's got people sometimes waiting on him hand and foot. And the difference in the kingdom, Jesus talks about, um, if you want to be a leader, you, you actually serve, you become the servant of all. Um, I want to talk to you, uh, be somewhat uh, candid with you and tell you something that has frustrated me. Um, I've had people that have thought really highly of me as a leader or a pastor or a teacher or a worship leader. And even some people who've, you know, asked to be discipled by me. And, and, and I think it's great. And, but this has happened, um, a few times where when this person really gets in my life, they see problems and they sometimes see chaos and moments of weakness, maybe even unhealthy patterns of thinking, dare I say, even sin. Fruitless talk, selfishness, fear, anger directed at my wife or my kids. They see me in real life walking out this process of sanctification, walking out, you know, becoming more like Jesus. Um, And if we're becoming more like Jesus, that means that there are areas in our life that are not like Jesus, right? And so when these people that thought really highly of me as a pastor or a leader or whatever get in my life and they see this thing, the luster of my coolness wears off. <clears throat> their expectations of me as a leader are not met. I know this to be true uh, because I've done this to my own leaders and mentors and the people that I thought are superheroes of ministry, the people that, you know, you guys have people like this, like that you look up to so much, you just want them to think cool things about you and like tuck up underneath their arm and have them mentor you and just continually tell you how cool you are. Like the, you, we all have people like that. Like we want to be mentored by. Well, um, I know this to be true because I've done that same thing to those leaders where I see, like I think they're so awesome and then I get invited into their life a little bit and then I don't think they're so awesome anymore. Anybody ever been there? And so the leader then pulls away. And I want to say I've, I've missed a lot of opportunities to have deep friendships with incredible leaders because of this. And I know that to be true because those th- same thoughts have path- passed through my mind where I think something like this, Jeremy... You, you shouldn't be so accessible. You need to keep your disciples at arm's length. And, you know, you should be transparent, but just transparent enough that it makes them feel safe to be transparent, but don't be so transparent that they question your ability to lead. I want to say that um, your leaders are and forever will be screw-ups. And like, really, why do we have the right to put them 
on a pedestal or expect things of them that we don't expect of ourselves. Or maybe the very reason why we're expecting them to be better than they are is because we've been beating ourselves with the law, expecting that we're supposed to be better than we are. And we're treating them as we would have others treat us. As we would treat ourselves. Now, I don't... What I want is is not to dishonor leaders. What I want is to actually create a culture and a church of honor where we honor everybody. We honor everybody the same as if they were sent straight from Jesus to us with a word from God himself. Because that's who you are. You're messengers, you're ambassadors of Christ. Every single one of you have something to impart to this body. We could pass the microphone down the line and listen to attributes person, like of Christ, his personality, revelation from scripture. We could get testimonies from Honduras. We could get things from every single mouth in this room that would strengthen and build up this church. I've been reading through um, the New Testament and, um, and all these verses have been popping out to me from Matthew. And this is, um, I forgot the chapter. I just wrote verse nine. <laughs> anyway, this, these are the words of Jesus right here. It says, um, but you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher and you are all brothers. Whoa, that's intense. And don't call anyone on earth father, for you have one father and he's in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors, or teacher, for you have one teacher and instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your servant. Those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Another place, Jesus is called good, and he's like, why are you calling me good? There's only one person that's good, it's God. Again, I'm not saying that we should... Uh, show less honor to our leaders. We should show more honor to our leaders and equal honor to everyone else that we meet. This is the way that Jesus led. This is, if you want to open up, we're going to end here. This is John 13. I guess I'll, I'll make the, page, the, the sound of pages turning. This is uh, John 13, verse 3. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. (laughs) Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. So I was talking about CEOs earlier, right? He's the CEO of the universe. All things. What things? All things under his power. He is at the top of that pyramid of influence and authority. Actually, let me, let me, let me do a little bunny trail here. Hop along with me. Um, <clears throat> I 
Sorry, I gotta find it. Okay. I'm having trouble finding the verse, but I can I can I can say it to you. Uh, a centurion came to Jesus and said, "My my servant is lying at home and he's paralyzed and he's suffering greatly, uh, and he's begging him to to heal him." And, and Jesus says, "That's great. I'll go I'll go with you and heal him right now." And the centurion says, "Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof, but simply say the word, and I know that my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority. I say to this." Uh, this uh, soldier do this and he does it, and to this slave do that and he does it. And Jesus marveled at the centurion's faith. Now, if when you're a centurion, that means that you're in charge of a lot of soldiers. You're a CEO of a unit. Like you're, you are at the top of that little pyramid there. And the centurion's actually, he says, "I am a man under authority." meaning he, was, he knew that he was rightly related to the authority over him. And so when he told another soldier to do something, that soldier didn't fear that centurion. He feared Caesar because that centurion was in right relationship with the king. And so the centurion in this moment was recognizing something that all of Israel had missed, which is that Jesus was in right relationship and authority under the Father. And that's why he could say to an angel, go, and he'd be healed. I flip back over. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped himself around the waist with a towel. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, you're going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not know, uh, realize now what I'm doing, but later you'll understand. No, said Peter, you'll never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and head as well. And so here's what the Lord is saying. Jesus knew that everything had been put under his feet, and so he got under their feet. Because then nothing would be above them. They would be placed in a realm of authority above all principalities on earth. Jesus knew that everything had been placed under his feet, so he got under your feet to lift you up. And he's, and he's saying to Peter, like, this has nothing to do with, with washing. You're clean. You're going to understand this later. He, he says, you're going to have no part with me unless you let me do this. And what the Lord is saying, unless you let me serve you, you're not going to have any part with me. I came to serve. You guys know that he's still serving. He wants to work for you. He wants to be the one that opens a door and pushes you into the place where you have the, the influence and authority that you've always wanted and you're moving in the place of your gifting. He wants to work for you. He wants to serve you. And the trouble that we actually have more than anything is the ability to receive his love. Because we always give him reasons just like Peter you shouldn't even touch my feet. No, Lord. And it's, this, and it's this false humility where we're saying, you're wrong about me, Jesus. 
you don't even know. I'm not worthy to have you touch my feet. And Jesus is saying, let me wash you. Let me serve you. Let me serve you. And this is what a leader does. You find a leader like that, you follow him. You follow her. You find a leader that serves you, that washes your feet, that pushes you up above them. And that's a leader that you want to be like. Let's stand and pray. You guys want to hold hands? You feel like it's a hand-holding night? All right. Yeah. Let's, let's hold some hands. <laughs> Come on. We are one. Kumbaya. <clears throat> hey, hey let's, let's sing. For you alone are worthy, for you alone are worthy, for you alone are worthy, Christ alone, for you alone, for you alone are worthy, for You alone are worthy of our praise. You alone are worthy. All things have been placed under your feet, and yet you chose to elevate us and seat us at your right hand. You've seated us in heavenly places. You've washed us and made us clean, and you're continually looking for ways to serve us while we're looking for ways to serve you. You're continually looking for ways to promote us to increase our fame while we're looking for ways to increase your fame. Jesus, I ask that you would, you would break any kind of poverty mentality or false humility that is limiting us and keeping us from receiving your love and believing the great things that you say about us. You're a good, good leader, and we just want to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.